Psalm 4, the lesson be right now. Let the Lord like to be Brightly beams our Father's mercy from His so much, Brother Ben. As I said this morning, and I'll say it again, excellent job. You always do an excellent job, and we are always blessed for the work that you do. We're blessed for the work that everyone does within the local congregation here. And as always, I am blessed to stand before you and to have another privilege of sharing a portion of God's Word with you. This the second time upon the first day of the week as we come together to worship God through Christ as we trust both in spirit and in truth. As I said this morning, I've enjoyed every single moment of every single opportunity for the past going on nine years now. And this is uh, 
bittersweet moment for me this evening. It's bitter in that I will miss you and you are family to me. And it's sweet in that nothing will ever change that. And that I know I will have the privilege, Lord's will, the elders have been so good to me to come back in the future and share lessons with you and spend time with you. And I'm indeed thankful for that. And it's also sweet, as I said this morning, I want to echo it again, is that I know that you are in great and capable hands, the Brother Daniel, with the eldership, Brother Shelby and Brother Kevin, with the deacons that we're blessed to have, Brother Ben here tonight, and Jameson, I know Brother Ron who's not feeling so well. This congregation so, so well blessed and will continue to be this day and all days forward. For things are done here scripturally. And that's the true test. That's what really matters. That things are done scripturally. They are done decently and in order. And I have been fortunate. Now I said that three weeks ago. And I want to echo that again to you. I have been so fortunate to be a part of it for a long period of time. I've always tried to do my best. I've always tried to bring you timely and good lessons from God's Word. And you've always given me your best for every meal, for every card, for every kind word, for every handshake, for every phone call, for every gift. Thank you. So appreciative. There is, I can say this with surety, there's, there may be people as appreciative as I am, but there's no one more appreciative than I am. Thank you for everything that you have done. I love you and I continue to love you. And I support this congregation. I'm so proud of Brother Daniel. I support him, Sister Mary, and Will. Special, special people. Going to do an excellent job. Fantastic teaching. Stands for the truth. Fantastic elders. Fantastic deacons. And I know the church will continue to prosper here in Stanford. So I thank you. And uh, I made it through that without crying. So I achieved my goal for this evening. We'll close with prayer. <laughs> Just kidding. If you have your Bible, please open with me to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. And let's start our reading in verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and starting... In verse 1, I thought to myself a little bit this week of what I would like to talk about in these last two sermons that I am privileged to share with you in your hearing. And I thought that there would be nothing more important than to talk about your confession of faith. And that's why I wanted to share that this morning. To talk about what you believe and what you profess 
and how important it is to stand up and be firm upon what you believe and what you confess. So we looked at Matthew chapter 10. We thought about the principles there that not only do we confess Christ, but He confesses us. Mark chapter 8 and verse 38. Luke chapter 12. Romans 10 and verse 9. We looked at several. Two examples in 1 John chapter 2 and also chapter 4. The Bible talks about the confession. It also talks about the reality that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. And I encourage you to let that be by free will before it's everlasting too late. That we render by choice, by free will, free moral agency to obey the Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then I came to tonight. And I want to talk to you tonight about something that is equally as important. And that is preaching the Word in and out of season. You do that by what you say. You do that by how you live. And you do that by your way or manner of life. You preach a sermon each day that you live. If you have a smile on your face, if you have a handshake for those around you, if you're willing to put your arm around someone that is struggling and give them a little bit of your time, you are exemplifying Christ to them and that is precious that you're willing to do that. But in this context of the Apostle Paul speaking to the young evangelist, the young minister, the young preacher, Timothy, we're talking about delivering a sermon and standing up and preaching, no matter what the popular opinion is, no matter what society is doing, no matter what the world, you preach the truth unchanging of God's Word in and out of season as we find it outlined, authorized, and revealed in the pages of Scripture. Demand that from every minister. Demand that from every Bible class teacher. Demand that from every gospel meeting preacher. Whatever the occasion is, if God's Word is being shared, demand, and you have demanded that of me, and I hope I've been able to do that for you. And that's why we're blessed to have shepherds, elders, that make sure that when a man stands before you, behind the pulpit, or in the Bible class, or even in the songs that we say. Have I lost a battery? Thank you. Okay, let me. It would only be fitting that I lose a battery. <laughs> we'll just switch out. Thank you, Ben. I saw Ben first. There we go. Please bear with me. I'm so sorry. You think I'll be able to get going again? <laughs> We'll find a way, won't we? You do. We can do it. Thank you for having that ready. I appreciate that kindness. Well, that's even more comfortable. Fantastic. Thank you. Working well. Does that, does that sound better? Better. Excellent. Thank you so much. Preaching the Word in and out of season, demanding that, 
settling for nothing less. You don't want commentary. You don't want politics. And you don't want opinion. You want God's opinion. If He is legislated, that's what you want to hear. Now we appreciate the opinions of others where God hasn't legislated. But where He has legislated, we've got to put our opinions aside. And we've got to strive to do what God has said. And that demonstrates the love and respect that we have for the Almighty when we're willing to do that. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God. So in other words, it's not a suggestion, is it? It's a charge. Here's the charge, the responsibility, the obligation that's given unto every preacher of God's Word before the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Who's the judge? Well, it's not me. That's what I know for a fact. And it's no other man because that would not be a fair judgment. It's that man that God has ordained to judge the quick and the dead when He comes, when the Father sees fit. The Bible says that Jesus Himself does not know the day and the hour. Only the Father. That's what the Bible says. So when the Father sees fit for long-suffering to stop, He will send His Son in the like manner in which He left in the clouds of the air. And that's where His throne is located as well. And He is going to judge from the throne in the clouds of the air the quick and the dead. And did you notice it's at His kingdom as well. The church is His kingdom and it will be the church that inherits the heavenly kingdom for an eternity. Tell that to others. Share that with them. Colossians 1.13 says that the church is the kingdom. He has translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son. And as you know, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus equated the church, His body, and the kingdom. And it is the church, once again, that will obtain and inherit heaven, not because we deserve it, but we serve a glorious, merciful, and wonderful Counselor and Savior who provides that blessing for all that obeys His Gospel. It's just how good He is. It's just the godly character that He possesses. He is righteous, almighty, and He cannot lie. Therefore, we comfort one another with words such as this. Verse 2, 2 Timothy 4. Preach the Word. That's simple. Preach what the Bible says. If faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17, and if hearing comes from the Word of God, what should I preach? What should I proclaim? Let's pretend for just a moment that this Scripture wasn't here. I could go to Romans 10, 17 and prove the exact same Standing. That's where faith is found. In my belief in the words of God. And if I want to share the most precious gift with you, which is Jesus Christ, then I want to preach 
His Word. And I want to be ready to do so. Be instant, in season, out of season. And with His Word, here's what you are able to do. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, and you can do that with all long-suffering and with everything, all doctrine. Christianity is a taught religion. We go into all the world and we preach and teach others concerning the Gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And just like God, just like our aim, our example, we suffer long with those around us. But we do not compromise the doctrine. You cannot afford to add to or take away from what God has revealed and authorized. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 4, 6 teaches us not to be puffed up, not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought, and we do that by going beyond what is written. So it's important to stand upon the principles just as they have been delivered. When you think about 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and when you think about 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it starts, both of them start with that understanding. I've delivered it unto you just as I received it, or I had it delivered unto me. I must preach the Word of God right down the middle, unapologetic, and I must do that speaking the truth in love. That's Ephesians 4.15. I can't lose sight of doctrine. I can't lose sight of being long-suffering like the Lord. Striving to be like Him. And I cannot lose sight of love. You love others. It was love that saved your soul. And you love the souls of those around you enough to strive with them, share with, reach out to them, and as we sing, throw out the lifeline. And the lifeline is the precious words of Christ that we deliver. I remember those old gospel meeting advertisements. Don't you remember those? And it would say, you are formally invited to hear the Word of God. That's what it would say. You are formally invited to hear the Gospel of Christ at the such and such Church of Christ. Because that's what we're going to proclaim. We're going to sing the Word of God. We're going to pray according to the Word of God. And we're going to deliver a lesson or a sermon from the Word of God. And we're going to close with Scripture readings from the Word of God. It all comes back to what can save your soul. And Romans chapter 1 says we cannot be ashamed of the Gospel for it is the power of God to do just that. To save all that believe to the Jew first and then to the Gentile for the just shall live by faith. You want to live spiritually? Put your faith in the delivered Word. For the time will come... Now you can't relate to this, can you? In verse 3. We can't get any relation to this today, can we? For the time will come when they, that's the hearers, 
will not endure doctrine, teaching that is sound. But after their own desires, their own lusts, they shall heap to themselves teachers, and those teachers will give them what their itching ears want to hear. I submit to you that that's not just today. Yes, it's prevalent today. And yes, it's evident all around us today. But I submit to you that that's not new. I submit to you for hundreds and hundreds of years, men and women have been seeking out teachers that will get outside of God's Word. Teachers that are not concerned or in tune with doctrine that is sound. To the point where individuals abandoned scriptural organization. They said, we don't need elders. We don't need deacons. We'll take one person. We'll give them all authority. And we'll listen to that one person. That is not sound doctrine. The Bible... The church of the Bible, excuse me, is always organized with pastors, shepherds, overseers, presbyters, or elders. It's all the same work. There is to be a plurality of those, and they lead in the spiritual aspects of the congregation. In every congregation, there are elders, deacons that serve the physical needs of the Lord's church under the direction of. Of the elders. And then you have evangelists or ministers within the Lord's church that preach and teach. And of course, in the absence of a minister or an evangelist, you have one of the qualifications of an elder is apt to teach. So the teaching is always there, front and center, in the local congregation. Brothers and sisters, friends, may I submit this to you. If you compromise God's Word in one aspect, then you are opening the door to compromise the Word in any aspect a person wants to. Remember that. Always remember that. Some folks say that we're rigid. Some folks say that we're too narrow-minded. No. We just love the straight and narrow way. We believe there's one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. We believe that Christ died and shed His blood. And we believe that is extraordinary. We believe that that is special. And we love Him enough not to compromise on what He said. It's not about us. It's about the love that we have for our Savior. After all, it is the church of Christ. The body wears... He is, after all, you are a Christian. First called Christian at Antioch, Acts 11 and verse 26. Our name denotes and gives credit not to self, but to heaven. Christian means little Christ. I'm follow, a disciple, a learned follower of Christ. I'm wanting to be like Him. I want to be pleasing to the One who shed His blood for me. So when you grasp that, you grasp that God gave the best of heaven for the worst. That's me, a sinner, saved by grace. That He come, He lives, and 
He died while I'm sinning to save my soul. It is not too much for God to ask us to stand up and endure and protect doctrine and teaching that is sound. And if we get away from it, it's going to be difficult to get back. Amen. I remember when I was teaching school, Brother Ethan, Brother Daniel, and other school teachers, you can relate. They always said this, at the first of school year, you better be strict because you can always loosen up. But if you start loose, it's going to be nearly impossible to get strict. They always told us that. They would say, get the bluff in early, right? And stay strict up front. And then you can, as you learn your class, see, when you step away from the truth and you get away from the principles, it's hard to get back. Folks get used to it. They start making excuses for things that are false. They start feeling like it's okay. And I can give in to this. And if we can change this, then we can change that. And before too long, it's a congregation of opinion instead of a congregation of sound doctrine. And it becomes about me instead of what God wants. And heaven forbid it's ever that way. It's always about what God wants. If you can't feel good about doing it the Lord's way, then please ask yourself eternally, who am I serving? God or self? It's a joyful thing to do things God's way and to know that He is pleased. Please tell me what's more valuable than that in this world. To know that the Almighty is pleased with your efforts. As a matter of fact, that's the finest word you could ever hear. Enter in. You are a good and faithful servant of self, of God. And that's what we're looking for. Verse 4. They shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned to fables. Things that seem true, that sound good, but when you put them to the test, when you put the fable up against the standard, it falls apart because it's not true. It's a fable. How do we know something is not true? We open the pages of Scripture and we say, let's put that doctrine, let's take that teaching, and let's see if it's sound. But what if I don't study? Is God going to do that for you? Well, you see, He already has. He's given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. 2 Peter 1.3, it's right here. So He has given it to us, but will you study it? We learned that in Bible study. Brother Shelby Roy shared that this morning. Excellent job. They were more noble Bereans than Thessalonians. Why? Because they searched the Scripture every single day. That's nobility. Looking into God's Word and saying, yes, brother, yes, sister, that is correct, or no, we need to look into that. And you're never saying no to someone to hurt them. 
You're never saying no to someone to one-up them or to make yourself look good. You're doing it to protect the integrity of the truth because you love God. And you know that that person can't truly come to God if they're coming on a fable. God is real. If you take the word fable and you compare it to God, there is nothing in common. We do not come to God through fables. We come to God by following the truth. I am the way, I am the life, and I am the truth. That's Jesus. Fable would be the opposite. We cannot afford to compromise. Love God enough to stand for... How many times... Have you heard a sermon about standing firm? You'll start counting. If you've been a Christian for so well, uh, yes, here goes the fingers. I don't have enough. Why? Because the Bible is full of that term. You can't read your scriptures and miss standing firm. God's word, the church, is referred to as the pillar of truth. P-I-L-L-A-R. Down where I'm at, we call the thing we sleep on the pillar, right? <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the correct pronunciation of pillow. I want you to know that in Southeast. That's pillar. That's a different kind of pillar, okay? This one is a strong structure that when the earthquake comes, when opposition comes, it's going to stand. It's cemented, it's concrete, it's firm, standing on the truth. Pillar of truth. Amen. That's the foundation. You see, if Jesus Christ is not only the cornerstone, but the chief cornerstone, and He is, therefore it must be true. If He has preeminence in all things, then it's truth, right? Amen. Who am I to detract? How arrogant must I be to think that as a man, sinner saved by grace, that I can change one jot or one till. We'll use some Old Testament language that we read in Matthew. Who am I? I think about Job. I think about him calling out to God. And I think about God saying this. Could you imagine this? God saying, where were you? Where were you? I'm going to change. Just where were you when I sent my son? Who are you to make changes to the plan of the Almighty? That's all. I'm as imperfect as you can get. If you want to see a picture of imperfection, 511, right here. If you want to see a picture of perfection, it's right here. You can see Jesus and the character of Jesus in His Word. Why would I want to change that? To be more like me? Fallible? This is infallible. It's perfect. Let's continue. But watch you, thou. But watch thou in all things. Verse 5, 2 Timothy 4. Endure afflictions. Brother Shelby, I got it in there. Endure afflictions. Do the work. 
There's work. Do the work of an evangelist. One who brings the good news. Who is qualified under the New Testament to bring the good news? Well, Jesus said to every disciple something like this. Go into all the world. He said that to every learned follower and preach and teach Jesus Christ. Tell them to believe it. Tell them to be baptized by my authority in my name. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And lo, I'm with you always. If you'll do this, I will walk with you in your endeavors. And I won't stop. It'll be to the end of the whole world, the end of the whole age. I'll still be with you if you're going and you're preaching and you're teaching sound doctrine. Do we have that promise if we get away from sound doctrine? Is God going to go with us on the fable? He can't. He loves you, but He can't. He can have nothing to do with sin and error and false teaching. Our God is not an author of confusion in any way, form, or form. If there's confusion, it's on me. Everyone can bring the good news. Yes, in the worship assembly, through the Holy Spirit, we have directions of God's ways. And it is the work of a man to stand before the congregation and deliver preaching and teaching publicly. With that being said, we all, men and women, in our everyday lives, in every opportunity, can bring the good news. Can teach others about the Gospel. That is a responsibility to all. And I've shared this with you. I've got godly fathers and godly mothers right here in the local congregation. May not be by blood, but we have something in common. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And men and women both, through their example, through their benevolence, and through what they stand for, have taught me day in and day out. So I know oftentimes that ladies feel like, and the opposition out here, I've said this, tries to tell us that in the Lord's church we are somehow disrespectful to our ladies. You know how mad that makes me? I really have to take a step back when someone tells me that and catch my thoughts before I say something I'll regret. That's the farthest from the truth. There's nothing farther than the truth. Every Christian, male and female, is welcome in the Lord's church. Has work to do in teaching and preaching the Gospel. And that work can be done and still rightly divide the word of truth. It's not about me. It's about God. You watch. You endure. And you're willing to do the work. And you make full proof of your ministry. The word minister means servant. So when you see ministry, you're thinking about service. What is your ministry?
I'm ministering and preaching to you this evening. You are ministering and helping others and listening and carrying that message. The meal that we had was an offer of service. When you pray, that is worship service. On the first day of the week when we remember, that's a public proclamation. Without saying, you could not say one word. And if you're around this table, you are proclaiming a worship service of what you believe to those that say, I believe in the blood and the body. I believe that Jesus came and shed and died for me. We got that back. For you and for me. And gave His life. That's a public proclamation. Our participation by faith. We all have a job to do. And yes, I recognize that in this context, it's to Timothy who was going to go and preach publicly. Yes. But I want you to see the application in your life as well for all people. We can all go into the world and exemplify Christ and respect His ways. We can tell others we can teach and preach through our words and our example, and we can bring them in. They're lost and undone, and they need to be added to the Lord's church by their faithful response to His Word. And then the Apostle says this, I am ready. You will say that someday, Lord's will. What a joy it will be to live that life, that faithful Christian life, and as you see heaven nearing, to say, Lord, I am ready. I have served. I have tried to be good to others. I've had a kind word. I've studied. I've prayed according to Thy will. I've been faithful to Thy services. I've put my trust in Thee. I am ready to be offered. I've given You... My life has been a living sacrifice unto Thee. We can all say that someday. If you so choose, you can say that. The only thing that's standing between you and faithful living will be Satan. And if he is, through the power of the Lord, say, get behind me, Satan. That's what the Bible says. You can do that. And you can move forward standing upon His Word and leaning upon His arm. And you can find that authority in the Word of God. Get behind me, Satan. I want to serve faithfully. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. And most importantly, while I was fighting, and while I was running the course in the race, and while I was enduring, and while I was proclaiming, and while I was standing firm, I kept the faith. I didn't compromise. I stood for what is right. I gave my all, Lord. And with all that being said, without His grace and mercy, I am still. Now get this. I am an unprofitable servant. Because compared to God, I can do everything. And without Jesus Christ, if I'm going to stand on my good works, if I'm going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and tell Him how much good I've done, He's perfection. He says, I can't do that. What I can say is have mercy on me, a sinner. 
Thank You for Your sacrifice and I'm trusting in Thee. I've done my best because I love You. It's the right thing to do. And I respect Thy Word. But I know without You, Lord, I'm lost and undone. And if I'm not in Christ, and I haven't been added to His church and the kingdom by God Himself, when I am baptized in water for the remission of my sins, to rise in a newness of life, if I'm not located in Christ, clothed with His righteousness, I am in trouble. Henceforth, there is laid up for me. God has prepared it. It's there for you. A crown of righteousness. Jesus said, I made you responsible in a few things. Now I will make you. And I don't think that it's by accident or haphazardly. Or I think that word's there because the Spirit wants it there. I will make you Lord over many. If you'll just serve me to the best of your ability in these small things, I'm going to give you a crown. It's laid up for... God knows you. Your soul is valuable in His sight. And He's going to make you Lord over many. Only in the Lord's church can you humble yourself to be exalted. In the world, the world tells you to exalt yourself and then others will exalt you too and show them how great you are and take it. That's what the world says. And if you have to cut a throat or step on someone, so be it. But the Lord says, the servant is the greatest of all. The Lord says, humble yourself in my sight. I'll pick you up. The Lord says, come unto me and learn of me. You'll find rest to your soul. His yoke is easy and His burden is light. We sing it. That's so important to us that we sing. To He's the Master. And we're serving Him. And it's good. I don't dread it. I believe in Him. I believe in His blessing. I call the commandments blessing. They're a blessing. And they've got promises. And I know that God can't lie and He's holy. And therefore, He will deliver on those promises that this will happen if I keep the faith. That's your charge. Keep the faith. Stand firm. And here's the result. A crown of righteousness. The Lord, the righteous judge. Verse 1 said that. And now verse 8 saying it again. Jesus Christ is the judge. I do not have the authority to give you entrance into heaven. And I do not have authority to condemn your soul to hell. I'm a messenger, and you are too. As a Christian, we are messengers of God's Word. So we preach and teach what the Bible says. Jesus will judge. Now we have His decrees. We know what we ought to be doing. But the Bible said that Jesus is not only the judge, He's the righteous judge. That means when you stand before Him and the books are open, it will be righteous. It will be fair. You don't have to worry about any backroom deals. 
You don't have to worry about any lawyers getting in the way or any money having influence. It's going to be righteous and it's going to be right and we will be judged according to what we did in the flesh in congruence with these words. So I hope you see the importance of preaching and teaching the truth. We're going to be judged by it. It's going to be righteous. And therefore we need to know. And once we know, we need to share it with others to be an assistance to them in tune to the specification of what the Bible has to say to the best of our ability. And let's not forget this. He will give it to me that day, the Apostle said, but it doesn't stop there. Not to me only, but to, and there's a very important word, all. We could say every. All of them also that love His appearing. Do you look forward to that day? Do you look forward to Him coming? In the clouds of the air. I'll be honest. I fear the unknown a little bit. I'm restricted by the flesh. And therefore, I think about that. I also think about the heavenly home. I also think about beholding Jesus Christ face to face. I also think about a reunion. Yes, a reunion with brothers and sisters that's gone on before. So we love that appearing. And even more so, we love the one that will be there that comes in the clouds of the air. Jesus said in John eight twenty four, unless you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. You must believe. Jesus said in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For the one who comes to Him must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder. Right there. You, you read about the crown of righteousness. It's late. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. You must have faith in what you believe. Jesus said in Luke 13, 3 and also 5, Acts 17.30 and the list could continue. Unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. I listened to a man last night. He conveniently left that Scripture out. I was disappointed. He wasn't from the Lord's church. But he didn't mention one thing in his invitation about repentance. Could you explain that to me please? When the Bible is so clear if someone leaves that out, is it that they don't know any better or is it that they don't want you to know? If you're going to preach the Word in and out of season and make full proof of thy ministry, you must proclaim the whole counsel of God. If you don't repent, you will likewise perish. See, the world doesn't like that. That doesn't give the itching ears what they want to hear. Repentance is a term that means you turn and change the direction of your life. If you were going in this direction, you choose to turn and go in the complete opposite direction. 
sacrificing self and following Jesus. Jesus said, unless you confess me before man, I will not confess you before my Father whom is in heaven. But the one who does confess me before others, him I will confess before my Father whom is in heaven. In Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33, we make that good confession that you have located in your heart, your spiritual self, that you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And upon that profession, this baptism now saves you also, 1 Peter 3, 21, we are baptized into Christ where He was buried, Colossians 2, 12, with faith in the working operation of God, verse 13 of Colossians 2, and we rise out of that watery grave, Romans chapter 6, 3 and 4, to walk in a newness of life, born again of both water and spirit, John 3, 5. Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, Jesus said, it's on the tombstone, isn't it, that you showed me over in Lancaster. Is that Lancaster, I believe? Or Crab Orchard? Crab Orchard. Right on the tombstone, a faithful servant, I'll never forget it, he that believeth, and is baptized, shall be saved. That's what Jesus said. If you want to be saved, there's at least two things you must do. According to Mark 16, you must believe everything that the Bible says, and you must be baptized. Why? Because you believe everything the Bible says. And when you do that, when you allow someone else to immerse you in water, God will save you. He will wash away your sins in His mind as far as the east is from the west and you are like a new creation born again. And you'll be ready to live that faithful life unto death. 1 Corinthians 9.24 and following. Revelation 2.10. James 1.12 Or as Jesus said in Matthew 24.13 The one who endures to the end the same shall be saved. Will you take Jesus at His Word? I leave you with this. One of my favorite gospel hymns that's in the book, What Will You Do With Jesus? Neutral, you cannot be. Someday, your soul will be asking, what will He do with me? The Scriptures have been presented. Jesus has spoken from His Word. What will we do with the Word of God? If you have a need to respond this evening, this is the acceptable hour of your soul salvation. I love you. Thank you for these opportunities. I'm always mindful, always prayerful, and I look forward to seeing you in the future. And I'm so proud of Brother Daniel, so proud of the elders, the deacons, and this congregation. And I know it's going to be a great success. If you have a need to respond, please do so while we stand together as we sing. As my father.